Friday, September the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Evergrande keeps investors guessing and Trump's former staff subpoenaed. First, the world in brief. Evergrande, a teetering Chinese property behemoth, kept silent on whether it had met a deadline to pay interest on its dollar-denominated debt, which passed on Thursday. It may be weeks before it reveals how and if it intends to honour its obligations. The potential collapse of the firm, which is $305 billion in debt, has sent shivers through markets and could yet rattle China's financial stability. A committee formed by America's House of Representatives to investigate the riot in the Capitol on January 6th issued subpoenas to four of then-President Donald Trump's closest staff. They include Steve Bannon, once Mr Trump's consigliere. This week, Mr Bannon confirmed that he and the President had discussed ways to, quote, kill the incoming administration. The subpoenaed men must sit for depositions next month. The European Commission proposed requiring that all mobile phones, tablets and other portable devices sold in the bloc be charged with a common port to limit electronic waste. USB-C connectors, already common among Android devices, would be the standard, a setback to Apple, whose iPhones have a different port. If approved by the European Parliament, the rule would probably take effect in 2024. Carlos Puigdemont, a former leading light of Catalonia's independence movement, was arrested in Italy. Mr Puigdemont fled Spain after he helped to organise an illegal referendum on Catalonian secession in 2017. Italy must now decide whether to extradite him to face charges and, potentially, a lengthy jail term. Belgium, where he had been sheltering, refused Spain's extradition request in 2018. Ukraine's parliament passed a law to limit the influence of oligarchs. It would ban them from holding public office and financing political parties. An oligarch, as defined by the law, runs a business monopoly or has a net worth of at least $89 million. The move comes after an attempted assassination of an aide to President Volodymyr Zelensky. Officials suspect it was in response to this legislation. Leaders from the Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, Serbia and Slovenia signed a joint statement arguing that immigration ought not be relied upon to solve their country's demographic problems. They said increasing the number of European-born children was, quote, essential to protect Christian culture. The average birth rate in Central Europe and Baltic countries was just 1.6 in 2019. America's special envoy to Haiti resigned in protest over the Biden administration's large-scale deportation of Haitian migrants, calling it, quote, inhumane. Of the thousands who have sought entry through Texas in recent days, many have been intercepted and flown back to Haiti without the chance to apply for asylum. Photos of mounted Border Patrol agents running down desperate Haitians drew heavy criticism. And fact of the day. 78. The number of times America's Congress has raised the debt limit since 1960. Increasing the debt ceiling 
lest the government pay bills racked up under previous administrations. And now, here's today's agenda. Trumped up. The Maricopa County Audit. Nearly 11 months after America's presidential election, the Big Lies' biggest sideshow is wrapping up. After several missed deadlines, the Maricopa County Audit, which reviewed the 2.1 million ballots cast in and around Phoenix, reports to leaders of Arizona's state Senate on Friday. It has been a farce. Cyber Ninjas, a cybersecurity firm hired to investigate, had no relevant experience. Its boss, Doug Logan, promotes election fraud conspiracy theories and much of its funding comes from groups that spread similar lies. Its methods were bizarre. Auditors even checked for bamboo fibres, supposedly a smoking gun for ballot stuffing by China. But the audit was never designed to uncover the truth. Instead, it aimed to make claims of election fraud normal. Their prominence in California's recall election last week shows that tactic is working. Polling suggests that 38% of Americans believe President Joe Biden's victory was illegitimate. It is by this number that the audit's backers will judge their success. Following Merkel Germany's election Germany goes to the polls on Sunday. The election is the first in post-war history in which a sitting chancellor is not seeking re-election and Angela Merkel's departure looms large. The candidates to replace her have all sought to emulate her appeal to Germany's centrist electorate. But Armin Laschet, from Mrs Merkel's Christian Democratic bloc, has failed to explain why his party's rule deserves to be extended. Olaf Scholz, his social democratic, SDP rival, is more popular among voters, and the SDP will end the campaign with a small polling lead. But Sunday is only a staging post on the road to a new government. Polling suggests that a three-way coalition will be necessary for the first time in over six decades. And as each party is likely to have various potential partners, the negotiations will probably be especially bruising and lengthy. Mrs Merkel may be around for a while yet. More by four. The Quad meets. American diplomacy in Asia is revving up. Last week, President Joe Biden announced a new security pact with Australia and Britain, AUKUS, to help Australia build nuclear-powered submarines. On Friday, he will host the first-ever in-person leaders' summit of the Quad, America, Australia, India and Japan, at the White House. In its current incarnation, the Quad has been around since 2017, forged by shared concerns over China. But it has taken off over the past year. In March, its leaders met for the first time, virtually, and agreed an initiative to expand vaccine manufacturing for Southeast Asia. Now they will discuss cooperation on the pandemic, the climate crisis, emerging technologies, and, quote, a free and open Indo-Pacific. China has got the message. A foreign ministry spokesman warned last week that, quote, 
to form exclusive cliques targeting other countries does not conform with the country's aspirations, won't be popular and has no future. Crude response China's oil auction China will auction part of its strategic oil reserves for the first time on Friday in an apparent attempt to slow rising prices. The cost of Brent crude has climbed by almost 20% since late August. Other energy prices, including those of coal and natural gas, are soaring worldwide. Chinese authorities worry that inflationary pressures will squeeze the country's manufacturing firms. Over the summer, they auctioned reserves of aluminium, copper and zinc, and cracked down on metal hoarding and speculation, again nominally to try to keep prices down. But the oil auction is unlikely to have much effect. Just 7.4 million barrels, about half of China's daily consumption, are for sale. The metal auctions, also carried out in small volumes, barely budged prices. But the auctions allow China to tell the market that it is monitoring prices and willing to act. This sale is more important as a signal than a supply boost. Footnotes Our Berlin Bureau Chief on Germany after Merkel the departure of Angela Merkel, Germany's Chancellor, will leave a big hole in the country, much for her successor to do. Mrs Merkel's 16-year reign will end after the election on September 26th. In an eight-part special report, Tom Nuttall, the Economist's Berlin Bureau Chief, prods Germany's most vulnerable policies to assess where change is most needed. For an all-purpose account of contemporary Germany, Tom recommends why the Germans Do It Better by John Kampfner, an author and political commentator. Notwithstanding its slightly mocking title, aimed at Brexiteers, the book offers a rounded account of the country's successes and failings. One of the themes explored in Tom's report is fiscal policy and investments. A recent report by Ditsa Natsukunft, a progressive think tank, offers some proposals on how to navigate the constraints of Germany's constitutional, quote, debt break. The Disenchanted State by Moritz Schulerich, an economist at the University of Bonn, is one of the best accounts Tom has read on the failings of Germany's state apparatus during the COVID-19 pandemic. On foreign policy, Merix, a think tank, produces some of the strongest analysis of relations between Germany, the EU and China. As Germany considers a more active role in the world, those who speak the language may find this report by the German Council on Foreign Relations a helpful guide to the biggest global challenges the next government can expect to confront. Two decades after a fresh-faced Mrs Merkel warned of the dangers of climate change on a German talk show, she still struggles to convert her analysis into action. But this is perhaps the most important issue in the upcoming election. This comprehensive guide from Agora Energiewende, another think tank, explains how Germany can hope to achieve net carbon neutrality by 2045. It's clear that Germany needs a reforming government. Unfortunately, it may not get one. Read the full report and follow Tom on Twitter for more. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from F. Scott Fitzgerald, who was born on this day in 1896. It takes a genius to whine appealingly. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.